Hello, and welcome to Commerce Confidential. I'm your host, Randy Cole. Do you say data or data? Well, one thing we can all agree on is that access to personal consumer information is one of the most valuable commodities in commerce today. With brands placing even more emphasis on their owned commerce channels and retailers spinning up new retail media networks, we wanted to take a deeper dive into this topic. So on this episode, I am joined by Tom Corey, Vice President of Consulting Services North America at Wonderman Thompson. Over his nearly 20-year career, Tom has developed deep expertise at the intersection of technology, data, and operational design, making him the perfect guest to dive further into this topic. So let's welcome Tom to the show. Tom, welcome to Commerce Confidential. Hi, thanks, Randy. It's good to be here. Great to have you. So, you know, we got a lot to cover, so we'll just jump right into it. And we'll start, you know, at the beginning kind of. So, you know, consumer data is powerful and important between brands and retailers. What was the history of access and understanding here? That's a great question. When, when you think about the start that both retailers and brands had to, to data collection, it originally it was just that transactional data, right? The, the data on the products and the prices, right? The, tra- the cost of the transaction. And so there wasn't really any customer data being captured. But over time, with CRM and, and loyalty uh, capabilities, we started to retain, you know, they created loyalty programs where we would start to sign customers up and uh, scan those at point of purchase. But that data was pretty poor reliability. Uh, people would trade those those things around. And so they, they were better, but better than having nothing, but not great. When digital started to come along, it really started to uh, enable massive transformation. You had uh, digital key rings, mobile wallets, point of sale advancements where you're entering your phone number in and you're able to tie that customer record back to a phone number, which is a really kind of repeatable and formative piece of data. And then e-commerce, where we're building profiles and transaction histories really kind of exploded all of that. Okay. Well, it sounds like there's a you know a bit of a, a transition in progress. Why is this happening and what is the impact? Yeah. So these digital advancements, particularly with e-commerce, it's creating this huge opportunity for retailers to start to collect this data on consumers, which we call first-party data. And if you go back again historically, these retailers and brands would use third-party data, which is data that you can buy off of data marketplaces, to target consumers through uh, advertising and marketing. Recently, that has become less in vogue to use third-party data, and uh, retailers and brands are are wanting to use more first-party data. Because retailers have had better access to consumers, um, it created a better opportunity for them to collect consumer data for loyalty, and it really started to build the first-party data capability on the retailer side. And that, that enabled them to have more data. It had better quality data. And that was because uh, the connected uh, stores and retail chains were able to aggregate all of that data together. And e-commerce, through mobile apps and digital websites, really were the gas on the fire for that because consumers then created profiles around who they are, what their addresses were, email addresses, phone numbers. And they were able to collect this broad profile on the consumer and the transactions that they purchased over e-commerce platforms over time. So they really started to accelerate the amount of data that they were able to collect on consumers. Adjacent to retailers building this first-party data asset, third-party data was becoming less valuable. We have this whole concept around data deprecation where it's becoming more regulated. You have Google, uh, who a couple of years ago said that they were going to stop using third-party data assets and tagging that has since been pushed out a little bit 
And so the net result is that retailers in driving loyalty have created this really rich data set and brands have this data set that, you know, the third party data set that has been diminishing. So you, there's this kind of delta or gap that's forming between the two. Yep. And, you know, even I'll just look, expand a little bit or is, you know, even as Google has kind of kicked the can on sunsetting these third party cookies, we've seen the savviest customers we have or clients, you know, they're looking at first party data as really the currency of commerce as much as the revenue itself. And knowing that when you can capture first party data, you know, you own that relationship versus being at the mercy of others. And it's just really, uh, you know, it's a powerful story. Even when they you know fully understand it, like brand.com will never be the top revenue driver. It'll always be a great data source for them to to use and to market and learn and iterate their experiences for customers. So Absolutely. You know, really, really good to know. So, you know, more data equals more insights, which is more power. How does the data race play out in the user experience? That's a, a great point. When we think about that power, first of all, I'll kind of talk about the power because there's that power shift that's going on, right? And at the retailers, uh, particularly when you start with historically in brick and mortar, they would charge brands for things like shelf space, premium spots in the stores like end caps, signage and advertising in store, all these types of things that drive visibility and that would drive purchase, especially inside the retail environment. They took that same model once they started digital e-commerce and did the same sort of things, ad placements on their e-commerce sites, promoted products, product ranking results in terms of the the order that was in which your search is being provided. And so they're able to combine those two things together when they're working with brands and say, you know, brick and mortar and e-commerce, all of these together, this is kind of the full basket of services that you're going to want to buy from us if, if you want premium placement in the store and, and support. So it really gives the retailers strength in contracting. And, and it also gives them really, it really gives that product visibility from a shopper perspective, because based on how those contracts get signed and, and worked out, um, it really impacts the visibility of those products in the, that shopping and retail experience from the shopper perspective. So you may not be as aware of your favorite products if they're not as visible to you and things can get even more buried in the digital experience than they would even be in a brick and mortar. Sure. Out of sight, out of mind, as they say, in you know, works in the physical store and digital shelf even more so where, you know, you're not going to come across it by accident if you're not given visibility by the brand or retailer that you're shopping with. Yeah. Um, No one wants to be on page five. No one, there is no such thing as page five, really. It's just, uh, it's just pagination at that point, you know, influenced by price, trust, selection, and perception. It feels like there is a, you know, brands and retailers are in a bit of a battle for share of mind, heart, and wallet. So how does this data race impact consumer retention and loyalty efforts as we look into the future? Well, it's this battle for loyalty, right? And historically, it was, like I said, when we go back to the original view, when we were just collecting transaction data, brands had this kind of broad view of their brands across all retailers, and retailers had this broad view of brands inside the retail network, right? So there was a bit of a patchwork quilt, right? So as we move forward, everyone's trying to build loyalty, loyalty to retail and loyalty to the brands. And they're kind of potentially at a bit of a, inflection point in terms of are consumers going to be more loyal to the retail uh, provider or are they going to be more loyal to the brands or are we going to kind of cross this fork in the road and kind of be able to bring those two things together 
they're not mutually exclusive, but in terms of trying to capture the consumer, they can be played once one against the other, right? And so the brands really need to catch up with retailers with new tactics in terms of how to generate consumer loyalty. And, and in generating that consumer loyalty, their consumers are giving their data and identifying who that they are so that they can continue that, that relationship outside of the retail outlets. Makes sense. I mean, it's obviously a complicated situation. Is there, in, in this environment, is there any incentive for brands and retailers to mutually share data? And what about the, the thought of, of brands creating their own consortiums to kind of band together? Some organizations do that. Like you can find, you know, I'll use Lowe's and Home Depot, for example. There are some brands you'll only find at Lowe's and, and the other brands you'll only find at Home Depot, right? So those are two organizations where they've done that. And, and that's been in place for quite a long time. You know, or maybe think of restaurant chains that only carry Coke or only carry Pepsi, right? So that's been going on for a long time. You could see potentially more of that as we move into the future. It's hard to predict where we're headed because it's all kind of brave new world. But those are business models that have existed in the past that could be carried forward in new ways into the future, right? But as we think about brands creating data consortiums, we did talk earlier about first and third party data mm -hmm. um, uh, in terms of brand owned data versus purchase data, there's this third category of second party data, which is partnership data, where it's first party data that's shared amongst organizations in a very kind of open way, in a way that's shared with consumers. You know, there's transparency about it, but it's a way for them to kind of gather their insights together and create a, a stronger data repository of insights. I think there's definitely a huge opportunity for that. We're still exploring how to do that in a way that's equitable for everybody. But I think um, when we look to the future, that's that's a real potential opportunity and something that organizations now with data deprecation and third-party cookies being less uh, valuable in the future, it really becomes an opportunity for, for brands to focus on. Okay. Well, so bigger picture then, and, and we're talking to brands, you know, what are, what are the issues, roadblocks, and opportunities here? And is there any specific advice you would offer, you know, to the brand side? Yeah, I think the biggest thing when we think about the brands, I kind of work backwards from that. When we think about brands, it's all about engagement, right? And retailers really have the, the front edge on the engagement piece of it today because that's where the consumer comes to purchase their products, right? And goods. And so the engagement happens kind of in a digital format or in a brick and mortar format through the actual purchase and transaction of getting those goods uh, and products. Brands need to figure out their engagement strategies, right? About how to get consumers to engage with them with a step removed, right? And I really think, you know, as we look to kind of developing those engagement strategies, it's really important that those are built upon their brand pillars. And we're not using cheap strategy for just kind of one touch engagement because, you know, cheap strategy gets cheap engagement and somebody's just getting in for the tashki or the t-shirt, right? And you really want to form that relationship with those consumers. And at the end of the day, it's all about the value exchange, right? Consumers are willing to engage if there's value in it in both directions. They're willing to give up their data and identify who they are if they're getting value and benefit out of it. But it has to be in alignment with what they would expect from that brand and, and in a way that's important for their exchange of data and their time. It makes a lot of sense, you know. And so let me let me kind of wrap it up with, you know, something I think is a, a major issue, especially from the consumer side. And if I remember correctly, I think it was from a Wonderman Thompson report where, you know, 83% of consumers don't necessarily feel like they're in control of their data and how it's being used. So 
you know, companies can amass incredibly detailed data-driven profiles of consumers, you know, today. Is there a bridge too far for brands and retailers to consider, you know, and perhaps avoid as their data strategies evolve, you know, going forward? Yeah, there was a concept a few years ago around big data. That was kind of the big trend was big data. Just sure. collect all of the data and we'll just sort it out, right? And we really have come to kind of refine that that idea a little bit in terms of a really important piece of this is the value exchange. Consumers are are willing to give up their data for that value exchange. We we actually have a product that we created called Entrust that helps uh, businesses assess their current approach to data ethics and where they want to be. Data ethics being kind of beyond data compliance, that whole gray space. Once we once we clear the bar of privacy and compliance, then and we're in the free and clear of what we what we can do, then we have to kind of examine what we should do, right? And so one of the, the two key principles or the two key principles to that idea of, of data ethics are the value exchange and the transparency of that value exchange. And so brands and retailers really need to think through their strategies around the data they collect, how they use that data, how they monetize that data, and ensure that they're doing so in a way that consumers would feel is an expected use of their data and has value to those consumers and that they're being transparent about those uses. Makes perfect sense. And something I think I wish every brand, you know, took uh, more of a focus on because it really, you know, seems to be the way of the future is to be more mindful of that value exchange, like you said. So I really appreciate that. You know, and with that said, thank you very much for this pretty thought-provoking conversation. A lot of stuff to process here. So Tom, thank you for being on Commerce Confidential. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. I'd like to once again thank Tom Corey for being our guest and thank you for listening. If you don't mind sharing another data point or two with the world, please click like or subscribe. Your support means the world to us. Commerce Confidential is a Gorilla Group, a Wonderman Thompson Company production. Editorial support by Betsy Stewart. Production support, Fiona Jessup. Original music by Adam Lee Murphy. Thanks, Adam. We'll be back again soon with another episode of Commerce Confidential. And in the meantime, 